is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio, 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And I hope you're doing well and staying safe. Getting ready for basketball tournaments, the NCAA tournament, the conference tournaments. Everything's about to start coming up this next week. It's an exciting time because there is going to be college basketball again, tournament-wise. I know last year was such a disappointing time for so many people because it was all canceled. And I know I'm excited to watch a lot of basketball coming up here in the next couple of weeks. You know, I, I've been here been on the radio for 30 years. And I like to bring up topics on this show that are of interest to everybody. And today we're going to have a very special guest on. Her name is Sarah Klein. She is an attorney, but she is also a sexual abuse victim by John Geddert, the gymnastics coach who committed suicide last week after he was convicted of 24 accounts, accounts of, of all kinds of things. Just, just it, it, the whole story is sickening. 24 charges against him all kinds of things. Um, the man was sick, and then he killed himself the next day. So we're going to talk about this today. She's going to be on with us for most of the show, and I'm going to talk with her about her experience and what she's trying to do now to get people aware of this. Because this is an issue. It's an issue that exists in a lot of sports. I talked about it a little bit last week. And I myself have unfortunately had to experience it with my son's swim team years ago where one of the assistant coaches was caught attempting to have sex with one of the young ladies on the team and end up being convicted of having sex with one of the girls on the team. It was a traumatic experience for the team. I know I was deeply involved. My son was in eighth grade at the time. It was his coach. Everybody liked the guy different than John Geddert, everybody really liked this man. And, but he took advantage of a young lady and tried to take advantage of another who had the gumption to tell her parents and called the police and ha ended up having him arrested and he went to jail for a long time. This type of stuff happens much more often than it should. And why? Why do these things happen and why don't we know about it as parents? Why don't we know about it as other coaches? Because people are manipulators. John Geddert used his place of power to manipulate these girls and took advantage of them. And the concern I have about this 
is that we know this type of stuff happens in other places too. Coaches, you know, I, I've talked about it on this show. A coach wears many hats. They're a leader, they're a guy, they're a disciplinarian, they're an instructor, they're a friend, they're a psychologist. Coaches, 99.9% of them do a great job, but there's that 1% out there, that percentage, or one-tenth of a percent, or maybe more, that take their position and use it to their own personal advantage. I've had the experience in 40 years of work to be around a lot of coaches who have been wonderful, wonderful people. I have a saying I've used forever on this show. I've shared it many times. A good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's about the athletes. And when we find out about these abusive situations, oftentimes what happens is parents get scared to stand up or ask questions. They allow the coach to take control of their son or daughter. They allow them to be in charge. The coach's ego gets in the way and many of them are extreme narcissists. John Geddert controlled the Twisters, Twist Stars gym in, in Lansing, Michigan, and made a lot of money. Says here he made $9.3 million of gross sales from 2012 to 2018. Gymnasts were forced to perform while they're injured. And Sarah Klein's gonna talk with us about this when we interview her in a little bit in our next segment. Many gymnasts, 12 of the 20 gymnasts named in the complaint told investigators they were forced to compete or practice while injured. Why would you force someone to practice when they're hurt? I've dealt with athletes who've had coaches force them to practice when they're injured. Oftentimes being told it's gonna to toughen you up. What is toughness? What is mental toughness? What is physical toughness? You know, if you, if you are injured, you need to heal your body. If your mind is injured, you need to heal your mind. It goes both ways. And being strong enough to speak up. And, you know, if you're a child, you're scared. Your coach has a huge influence on you. One, you know, one of the things that said, get her at force one girl to practice after she got her wisdom teeth out against doctor's advice. By the end of the practice, her mouth was so swollen she couldn't talk. Forced another return to practice after her neck surgery. Her death perception was off and she st struck the back of her neck on the bar. He would routinely yank athletes off the uneven bars, causing injuries for them. He made one girl do a thousand sit-ups immediately after she began to cry when she broke a bone on the top of her foot while running. After she was fitted by a boot by Dr. Nasser, he made her take it off and train. That's physical abuse. But many times parents are scared to say anything because they're under the guise that, well, the coach is gonna toughen my child up. I had a, an individual call me a week ago wanting to bring his nine-year-old daughter in to see me for a variety of things. And one of the things he says is, she's not mentally tough enough. And I said to him, she's nine years old. Why does she need to be mentally tough playing a sport at nine? Shouldn't she be out there having fun, enjoying it? I don't think she needs to learn to be mentally tough at nine years of age. I think at nine years of age, she should be having fun. The pressure to win, the pressure to get college scholarships, 
the pressure by many to think they can go professionally is where a lot of this comes from. And I think it's really important. One of the things that I talk about all the time when I meet with clients in my office is interview the coach and interview parents who've been coached, whose kids have been coached by that coach before. Find out their opinion of the coach. Find out how they handle pressure. How do they deal with adversity? Do they get angry? Do they allow parents to come to practice and watch? Now, a lot of coaches do not allow parents to come to practice. In some situations, that's fine. Many situations, it's not. I think if a coach says, you can't come watch what's going on, that to me is a red flag. Now, I know there are coaches out there going to disagree with me on that. There are some coaches who control practices. They don't want parents there influencing what's going on. I get that. But at the same time, if you have a, your child, you're paying money for your child to be coached by somebody, you're not allowed to be there and see what's going on. That to me is a red flag. Right, when we come back from our first break, we're going to be joined by Sarah Klein. She has a story to tell. She's an attorney. And she's one of John Getter's first victims. And she's speaking up now and sharing what happened to her. It's going to be a very interesting interview. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with her and getting her story about what happened for her. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And before we go to the break, I do want to wish a very happy birthday to a young lady named Unity Allen who turned 40 years old yesterday. Happy birthday to Unity and many, many more. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? 
Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Sports Psychologist B, and I'm very privileged this morning because I have a guest with us who has so much to talk about. I might just let her talk the whole show because I've got a young lady. Her name is Sarah Klein. She is an attorney. But more than that, she is a survivor of sexual abuse from a gymnastics coach, from a doctor, Larry Nasser. We've all heard of him. He's in jail for the awful atrocities he committed as a team doctor with young gymnasts. And her former coach, John Geddert, was convicted of 24 felonies a week and a half ago and then committed suicide the next day. And Sarah's been kind enough to join us this morning. She also is the winner of the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, which not many people have, and that says volumes about her. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me. Listen, the issue with sexual abuse, which obviously is, is very close to your heart because you're a victim of it as a gymnast, as well as now representing young ladies who are victims of this as an attorney, is something that's gone on in youth sports for years. Tell us from your perspective, why this problem exists and what we, what, what, what we can do about it. Yeah, I mean, I've had to think a lot lately about how this all happened. And especially after my coach, he was charged with 24 counts last week and then took his own life. It's still surreal to me. It's sort of a pinch me moment of how did we arrive at this, right? We were a small town gym in Lansing, Michigan. You know, you've got Larry, the athletic trainer at the time, not even the doctor. He was in his 20s. Gettert was in his 30s. I was eight years old. And now everybody knows the story, right? And so the question of how is a big one. But 
the short answer is the wrong people have been in the positions of authority within these organizations, such as USA Gymnastics and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, whose values rest on winning, period. The more we win, the more money we make, you know, the more money we make, the better for all of us. And they have no regard for the spirit of a child, you know, much less the athletes that they are charged with keeping safe. You know, recently the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee has stated that they have no duty to protect their athletes. It's not their job, right? And and if it's not their job, whose job is it? But last time I checked, the people who run that organization literally make money off of the number of gold medals that are earned. So when you have that paradigm in place, there is no regard for the athlete or athlete safety. They essentially want your body and you probably know better than anyone. They want you to leave your psyche at the door. You know, don't speak, don't think, don't feel, don't complain, don't talk. You know, we were taught in John Getter's gym essentially not to talk, whether it was we were in pain or we were, you know, scared to do something or we felt unsafe or Larry was abusing us in the back room. He didn't even want to hear your voice unless it was a yes or a no, right? And so when, when that's the culture and, you know, you have this very sort of Eastern European mentality of of beat the kids into submission so we can win that's how these things happen that's I, how I, Go ahead. Yeah, excuse me I, i'm aware of that from as the team psychologist the u.s cycling federation from 1982 to 88 our coaches from poland so i'm very much aware of that kind of mentality yeah um, but let, let me ask you a question so because this is this is where i question things so much um parents sign their kids up. And let's face it, your sport gymnastics has a huge uptick after the Olympics every year. Swimming and gymnastics have this huge enrollment infusion after the Olympics every year because all these young kids want to get involved. When this was going on, where were the parents? Where were your parents? Where were the other girls' parents? How did they not know this was going on? I, I think my answer is twofold there. Where my parents were, were raising other children. I was in the gym 30 hours a week. My parents both had full-time jobs. They had another kid. They had a life. They couldn't sit there for five and a half hours a day and, and, and watch me, you know, keep an eye on me, right? That's number one. Number two, when you get to a certain level, the culture of gymnastics encourages a wedge to come between the parent and the child. You're not even allowed to view practice. as a parent in many of these gyms. And especially when you're traveling, for example, to the Coroli Ranch or to national, you know, training camps or whatever, parents are not allowed, which is, you know, in my view, a simple fix, right? Um, Allow the parent, but they see the parent as a distraction. And when you look at at China, when you look at Eastern European methods in gymnastics, these kids are, are taken literally out of the home.
home and raised in dormitories and they see their parents maybe even once a year, right? So that's all part of the structure. Um, But I also will say there were a lot of parents around when Nassar was abusing, but Nassar was set up in a back room that was inaccessible by parents unless they walked across the entire, you know, gymnastics floor, which wasn't allowed. Um, They set him up beautifully, right? USA Gymnastics allowed him to go into dormitories or hotel rooms alone to treat gymnasts when the parents weren't even there. So some parents were in the room when Nasser was abusing. Some parents were watching practice when Gettert was abusing. But it becomes a cult-like mentality where the parents feel like it, their child's destiny it is directly impacted by the coach's opinion of the child. And then, see, that's, excuse me. And then see, that's where I, 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 I totally get it. And I understand that. And so many of our people who are listening to this sitting there, well, come on now, you know, if my kid's in a gym, I'm going to go watch. And I know coaches prohibit parents from coming in and many, many practices. Of course, one of the problems is a lot of parents try to coach their kids, get involved. There has to be parameters. But one of the things that we talk about so much on this show, and I've talked about for all my years, is when you're a parent and your child is going to sign up for a sports team, whatever the sports team, take some time to interview the coach, find out some things about the coach, find out some background, find out some other people who've been coached by that person. And if a coach says you can't come in, you're not allowed here, that to me is a red flag right away about maybe I shouldn't be there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I can't tell you the number of times my parents said to me, all right, you know, John Getter is – a horrible human. It's time to get you out of here. And I would beg and cry. And you threw a fit. Did you threw a fit? Probably did. Absolutely, because I'm putting in thirty hours a week. You're not going to take me out of this, right? And so a lot of times, what happens is the kids don't report to the parents and sort of try to cover for the coach because they know the parents will have that reaction, which is and that's important. that and that's yeah. excuse me, that's that whole fear issue that we're going to get into yeah. in our next segment. I want to talk about fear because kids are scared to death of coaches. A coach needs to be somebody you trust. And when that trust is gone, everything falls apart. Sarah, my definition of winning is not coming in first. My definition of winning is did you go out and do the best you could that day? And have fun, right? Right? Best you could and have fun. And if you're not having fun and doing your best, why are you doing it? I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today is Sarah Klein, and she is a survivor of sexual abuse from a gymnastics coach, from a doctor, Larry Nasser. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, 
Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Well, again, everyone, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm privileged this morning to be having Sarah Klein with me. She is an attorney who knows a lot about sexual abuse with athletes because it happened to her. She now represents athletes and she was coached by John Getter, the Olympic coach from 2012, who recently was suspended by USA Gymnastics, convicted of 24 felonies, and then the day after committed suicide a couple weeks ago. 
Sarah, fear. Okay. As a young gymnast, were you scared of John Getter? Were you scared of Larry Nassar? Um, John Getter, yes. Terrified. Many of us would throw up in the locker room before practice started. Our, you know, days would go depending on what kind of mood he was in. Um, that fear riddled our entire experience in gymnastics. Larry Nassar, no. And that's the good cop, bad cop dynamic that those two best friends had. Larry was kind and safe and loving and, you know, in many respects, the best part of our gymnastics careers. John would break us down, break our bodies and break our psyches and then send us back to Larry who would be kind. And so I think that's why one reason why Larry was able to get away with what he did for so many decades. Did as a young girl, did you ever tell your parents what was going on or were you too scared to tell? In terms of the sexual abuse, I did not know it was sexual abuse. I literally thought until my thirties and and this is how sexual abuse as a child works that Larry actually loved me and that Larry was actually doing medical treatment on me. Um, when it's all you know from the age of eight on, I have a five-year-old daughter. You know, she's not too far off. She doesn't know anything ab about that, right? And so I think back in the day, we weren't giving our kids the language to talk about their body, you know, them being in charge of their own bodies, especially in a sport where you're trained to give your body to the adults around you. Um, even if you're scared or injured or whatever. So, so I didn't identify it as that whatsoever. My parents did know, you know, that John was crazy and had an anger problem and was, was a nasty, horrible human being. But I tried to keep it from them because my whole identity was gymnastics. I didn't have friends in school. I wasn't going to, you know, the dance or the party or the, you know, birthday party, whatever. I lived in the gym. And so I couldn't stand the thought of losing that even from a very young age. So the fear issue, the fear of, of not succeeding, the fear of letting your coach down today with the knowledge that you have about this, how do we help educate coaches, parents, and young girls about how to deal with this? Yeah, you know, parents and children, I think it is about language and having that conversation with your child, teaching them that their body belongs to them. If at any point they feel uncomfortable, you know, to, to talk about it and encouraging that conversation, to be asking them questions, to never let your child be alone with an adult um, in a position of, of any kind of authority or just even period, right? Like the thought of my child walking into a gym and trusting the coach terrifies me. Um, I've taught my daughter, you know, who's allowed to touch her when she goes potty. And that list includes three people, even close family members are not on that list right? So in, in starting to encourage our kids to have a voice from that young age and have that language around these issues, um, I think is a great start. Um, in terms of coaches, you know, th that's a big question, because I feel like within a lot of these NGBs and the Olympic movement, um, this kind of John Getter, Bella Caroli coaching has been very, very encouraged. You know, as long as there's money attached to medals, 
I don't feel like our athletes are safe. In fact, I know they're not safe. You know, as oh, we know, say, excuse me. We, we know now that mental health has become talked about much more. I've talked about it forever on my show. Yeah. Years I've been on radio, but now we're hearing professional Olympic athletes like, you know, Michael Phelps and many NFL athletes come forward and NBA players. Kevin Love had a panic attack. Uh, in a game a couple of years ago, where he's seeing athletes now come out and talk. Brittany Griner recently, the WNBA star, talk about mental health. Yeah. And it's now becoming something that's not poo-pooed and looked on as, as you're weak or there's something wrong with you. It's part of life. As I, I've always said, hey, I was a team psychologist at Kansas City Royals several times. I was there when Bo Jackson was there. Bo Jackson is probably the greatest athlete of modern times. He's a human being. He has feelings and emotions just like everybody else does. Athletes have to deal with that just as much as, as, as anybody else. And so I think the importance of mental health now is being talked about. So isn't it important now that, that coaches should learn to be educated about this aspect of it as much as learning how to do a, a backhand spring or your Chanko vault? Absolutely, because it's it's a holistic approach. The mind, body, and spirit of your athlete are equally as important. And I question often, had I had somebody like you in my gym as a child, would that have been a place that I could have disclosed the fear where I could have raised, even with my limited language around these issues, some red flag so that someone like you could have picked up the phone and called them. And that, and that's a, that's an excellent point you're making. That's that, that's why there need to be trained mental health specialists with athletic teams now as just as much as you should have a physical trainer, you should have a mental trainer. I, I, I'm one of the first sports psychologists in the country I've encountered resistance my 40 years of work from people saying, oh, come on, we don't need that. We don't have weak people here. It's not about being weak. It's being mentally strong. Because I always say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. Absolutely. So before we wrap things up here this morning, what do you think the best venue is for parents who want to get their kids in sports in a youth sport like, like gymnastics or swimming or diving or figure skating? What would you suggest to them about finding out about a team, finding out about a coach, what would you say the best way to get started is? Well, I love what you said earlier about really interviewing that coach and having that sit down and understanding, you know, asking the hard questions, understanding their philosophy around it. I also think talking to other families in the gym um, or at the skating rink is, is really important and keeping your eye on that coach. What happens when your kid loses? You know, is the coach kind and gentle and loving and supportive or does the coach tell them, you know, I'm going to work you until you, your bones break like John Getter used to tell us when we fell off the balance beam, right? So, so really just having eyes wide open and really getting to the bottom of what that coach is trying to accomplish. Are they, are they, do they see their role as forming sort of the human spirit of this growing child as important or is it all about winning money, medals, et cetera? Yeah. I always say a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about Amen. that. Amen. So before we wrap things up, I'm sure you've been getting a lot of grief for speaking up about this, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. I'm public enemy number one in, in the Olympic movement right now and in gymnastics and now in the sport of cheerleading. Um, you know, it's, 
and, and and even in Lansing, Michigan, where John Getter still has a parade of supporters saying, you know, you just weren't tough enough. He, you know, he really did have your best interest at heart. And, and my response to that is when you're in the cult, you can't be aware that you're in the cult. It takes some time and some distance being out of the cult to really understand what, what went on and digest it. Um, but you know what, at the end of the day, I have two young daughters and, and doing the right thing is oftentimes the hard thing, but I'm going to keep speaking out as much as possible and saying yes to every opportunity that comes to, to talk about this and educate people and parents and coaches, because we have to keep kids safe. What is there in life if we are failing our children? You know, so this is so critical to me. Kids deserve to have fun in sport and deserve to be able to participate in sport safely. And until that's the case, I'm going to keep at it. And I think you, you know, you are too. Yes, I am. Sarah, we got to wrap it up today. I'd love to have you back on again. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Yep. www.manleystewart.com or on Twitter at SG underscore Klein, K-L-E-I-N. Sarah Klein, thank you so much for joining me. This has been tremendous. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation, and it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. 
So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I want to thank Sarah Klein for joining us today with that interview. Very eye-opening discussion about abuse with coaches. And this is a young lady who experienced it. Now she is fighting it. And I want to congratulate her for doing the work she's doing because there's a need to expose these people. She's trying to, through her work, get people to realize what goes on in certain situations. Now, when we talk about abuse, there's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's all kinds of abuse. A coach's job is to train and teach, guide, direct, instruct, discipline at times. And coaches are people, athletes are people, everybody screws up, everybody makes mistakes, we all do. But I think one of the key things, especially with young kids in, in these intense sports like gymnastics or figure skating that require so much training, so much focus, so much attention, especially for young kids. I've talked for years on this show about sports needs to be first and foremost fun. If it isn't fun, why do it? Well, it teaches, you know, we, we hear the, the lessons that sports teaches us about discipline, about uh, focus, about preparation, about mindsets, about attitude, about communication, and, and all that's true. But when you are a kid, when you are a young child, it should be about learning and having fun. When... You have someone like John Geddert, who obviously's ego played such a huge role. And you have all these girls, all these girls that got hurt. There's a, a 10-year-old broke her thumb during practice. It was puffy and bruised. He said she was lying and made her do five rope climbs and practice an extra hour on the balance beam. Another girl's parents told investigators he would tell the girls to wait until after a meet to tell Dr. Nasser about an injury so they could keep competing. Why didn't anybody speak up? Sarah and I discussed it. It's about fear. You're going to look bad. You don't want to lose your spot in the team. You're afraid that the coach may think you're weak mentally. As Sarah and I discussed a little while ago, mental health is now being talked about and it's being discussed as something in an open manner that you need to talk about. It's no longer a sign of weakness to talk about self-confidence. It's no longer a sign of weakness 
to talk about fear. For years, and I've been doing this for 40 years now as a sports psychologist, for years people have talked about, you don't talk about that stuff. It shows, in fact, we had Blake, remember the guy that called the show a few weeks ago? You can say what he, what he said. We're teaching kids to be Yeah, right. Yeah, by teaching them about, we talked about learning how to lose and deal with losing. And this guy says, well, you're teaching kids basically to be weak. No. When, you, when you're learning a sport, when you're learning a skill, you're going to fail. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. Why? Because you're human. You played football, Blake. You, you screwed up. Okay. You're, but you're, you're mentally, as I've gotten to know you producing this show, you're a pretty mentally tough guy. I think when you played football, you were pretty mentally tough, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. I was, uh, you know, obviously everybody has certain things that they put more onus on as far as importance than other things. And I think one of my biggest things was being able to forget pretty easily and move on. But there were people you played with who couldn't do that. A hundred percent. Right. And, and if you had coaches making fun of them or picking on them or making them run laps because they screwed up, you know... To, you know, I, I've talked to many, many coaches about this. I want to ask you this question. A lot of people make people run. A lot of coaches make kids run when they screw up. All right? And so I, I start to ask myself, okay, so that's going to make them hate running. Okay? Or hate conditioning. I mean, if somebody screws up, why not sit and talk to them about how they screwed up, what they did wrong, instead of punishing them for doing it? Now, there are some kids when they screw up and they do it intentionally or whatever from, you know, they don't care, whatever, there's a discipline issue, that's, that's different. But if somebody drops a ball, runs around and drops a ball, you go make them run laps, right? I mean, so, and then, then it gets, when it goes to this, this level, this extreme. So my whole point is if you're a parent, you have this, and we talked about this with Sarah. I think the first thing you do when you're interested in signing your child up for a sport, for a, a, a team, talk to the coach, find out what the coach's philosophy is about coaching, about winning and losing, about teaching, and then talk to a couple of other parents of kids who've been on that team. Find out how they handle adversity, find out how they handle success, and that's going to give you a good idea about where that coach is coming from and how your child can fit in. Now, I think it's important to teach kids how to be mentally tough. But there's a point to do that and a point not to do that. I think at 8, 9, 10 years of age, no, you don't need to teach that. You need to teach them to have fun and learn the, and have the experience of, of understanding winning and losing. Mental toughness shouldn't come in until 13, 14 I think middle school. We talk about in our book, Just Let Him Play, Pete Malone, who coached five Olympic gold medalists and over 10,000 kids swimming, Jeff Montgomery, who's the Royals' all-time closer, Hall of Famer. We talk about this in our book that really about middle school, junior high age is when the winning and losing starts to become important in the sense of learning about success and failure. So, Blake, for you, when did that become important? And did you did you ever have a coach who you think was verbally abusive to you? So I was very fortunate in the fact that I 
did not have – I mean, I have played with a lot of coaches. When you play from a very young age all the way up to through the college levels, I have a lot of coaches, and I played almost every different sport. I was very fortunate enough to not have somebody that I personally thought was abusive. And I was also a, a tougher kid in the sense of I didn't let a lot of things get to me. I understood the role of the coach, and so when I was getting yelled at, I usually knew why I was getting yelled at. You know, whether I was jacking around on the sideline or if it was truly something that I did that I messed up, not paying attention to the play, you know, something that I should have done. So I was fortunate on that. Um, I never got to see that much of it either. So, um, but I've heard stories from other teammates, from um, coaches that I never had that said, oh, yeah, this, I mean, I had a horrible coach who didn't really understand how to coach, but he knew how to yell. You know what I mean? And see, what do those kids remember? Oh, they they, did they remember that they remember some of the good stuff they had when they played, or do they just remember being yelled at? All negative, all negative, and that's and that's the whole thing. And see, I think it's so important, and this is where I think for parents, if you have a a youngster who you want to get involved in a team and in, in a sport, individual sport, whatever it might be, like I said, find out about the philosophy of, of that organization and that team and that coach. And also, you know, this is another thing. Find out if you're a parent, if you can come to practice and watch. Now, I get it why coaches don't want parents, you know, hanging over their heads telling them what to do. You know, you can watch from a distance. Let, let the coaches coach. Let the parents parent. Let the, the, the refs ref and let the kids play. So it's important to understand where everybody fits in with their role. Yeah, if you're a, if you you want to be at practice and then you start telling your child how to do this and that, that's not cool. That gets in the way of the coach. So communication is so important. Understanding your role is so important. And if you do that, and if something's going on that's not right, you have to be able to speak up about it. And that's where, unfortunately, with so many of these young girls with John Getter, they didn't do that. Hopefully, though, because of what Sarah Klein's doing now, making people aware of what happened because of her own experiences, this will be something that will become less and less of a story and we'll hear less and less about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week talking about these topics, the mental side of sports, mental health, how it affects you as a person. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Sarah. I, I think if you are a parent, it's really good to, to listen to this interview with her, hear what she said. It'll help you understand where you fit, where your kids fit. If you want to reach me, you can get a hold of me several ways. My office number is 816-561-5556. My website's winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email there at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Stay safe. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. 
That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 